so our scripture this morning comes from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. It's the triumphal entry appropriate for Palm Sunday. So we'll read that first and then we'll get into our conversation today. So again, this is John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. I did see someone ask that we would take a little more time before we start reading so that you have time to find it if you have your Bible at home. So we'll do that right now. Once again, it's John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. So if you're flipping your Bible open at home, go ahead and take a minute and, uh, and find it. All right, and it reads like this, the triumphal entry. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look at how the whole world has gone after him. We're in an interesting time now where, unfortunately, we are having to settle for some things. And nobody likes settling, but we all, sometimes we have to do it, sometimes we settle out of necessity or because it's simple. We'll get into that a little bit, but some of the ways that we're kind of being forced to settle right now, the big one that I think of is, is socially, right? We are forced to stay home, which we know is for the good of everyone around us and for the good of ourselves. Uh, we miss our friends. We miss the ability to, to give a hug, to get a hug, to give a handshake, to go meet out for dinner or something like that. We miss that that social interaction that we would have with the people around us, our friends and our family. We miss church for sure. I'm sure that we miss being here on Sunday mornings and throughout the week to connect with our program. So socially, we're forced to settle. Uh, Jess went to Target yesterday. It was an essentials run. She was getting liners for our bottles and a gallon of milk and all that kind of stuff. We needed uh, baby stuff for baby Joel. So it was an essential run for Jess yesterday afternoon. And she said there was a, a couple there who were buying stuff for their daughter's birthday. And they were so sad because this was the best that they could give their daughter. They, were, they couldn't give her the party that they wanted to. They couldn't give her everything that she deserved for her birthday. And she said that the dad kept asking the mom, do we really need this? Do we have to buy this? And she's like, I want to make this as special as we can. It's her birthday, and we can't have the celebration that we want. So we see that all around, that, that socially we're having to settle for less than what we would like to do at this time. And, and I mentioned it before with restaurants, we're settling for food. Like, I know, yeah, we can take out food, but there's something to be said for sitting down at a restaurant with your wife or your family or your friends. We always know that food tastes better when you sit down and eat it fresh out of the kitchen. Um, we've had chicken wings once or twice, and when they're sitting in a styrofoam container, they are not as crispy and delicious as when they come fresh out of the fryer right to your table. So we're having to settle a little bit. And then even some of the takeout places, like my wife one day after work picked up chefs to go because she's still working. She works in the medical field. She picked up chefs to go on Maple. And if you didn't know, chefs is closing for the safety of their employees. That's awesome. No, like I get it. If, if they can keep their employees safe and keep the community safe, but 
we've had to settle on what we eat. Um, thankfully, I like to cook, so we, I, we cook a lot throughout the week. Like six days a week we've been cooking, which is awesome. Um, probably more than normal. But, uh, and then another one, this is maybe the biggest one. We've had to settle for toilet paper that is not our normal brand. Because as you know, it is darn near impossible to find. So when we find it, we're buying it. I had to buy Scotty's tissue for our noses, which were a Puffs household, okay? And then we had to buy Scott toilet paper, and we are a Charmin household, okay? So this is, this is trying times where we have to settle for the paper products that we do not normally use. So I hope you understand that this is a little humor being injected in. Um, it's okay that we're using different toilet paper and different tissue. That is the worst of our hashtag first world problems. We're doing okay. Um, but I would say even without a pandemic, there's times that we settle, right? We, we, life can throw us a curveball or life can throw us some comfort, which causes us to settle. Have we ever settled in a negative relationship or friendship? Like we've had someone in our life who never really builds us up and always seems to drain us. They, instead of bringing out the best of us, they tax us. And because we've known them for so long, because they're, uh, they, that one time they were nice, or because they need us, we settle for that relationship as if it's normal or acceptable. Right? I'm not saying that we don't talk to people anymore, but I think there are times that we could give people less control of our lives or less influence in our lives, or we give them a little less of our time because they've proven to be toxic instead of helpful, and we settle for that relationship anyway, right? Maybe you've settled for a job that you hated. Maybe you're settling now for a job that you hate. But the income is good. There's a, like we are familiar with the environment. We're comfortable because we've done it for so long. And hey, it's paying the bills. Overall, it's a, it's a job that I can go to work and, and make a paycheck. And, and oops, and that's, uh, I don't need any more than that. So we settle for a job that we don't love or that maybe even that we hate, right? Because of necessity, because we're comfortable, because it pays the bills. Uh, maybe we just settle sometimes for mediocrity. Um, the, the biggest example I can give you is kind of my health. Like I'm, I'm 32, I'm five foot seven, 225 pounds. There you go, it's all out there. Um, I, I could probably stand to lose about 50 pounds. That being said, I can still play basketball. I still run faster than most of the high school kids that come here for youth group. I stay physically active, but my health is certainly not where I want it to be or where it should be. Like, I've settled for mediocrity. 95% of the blame goes to Doritos because they're really good. But the other 5%, okay, 90, all of it goes to me, that I have settled for mediocrity in my health because, let's face it, like, I'm overall healthy and I feel okay and, like, I function. So instead of taking care of myself better, I've just kind of settled that this is going to be who I am. And I'm not happy with that. I should be making changes. I should be doing other things. But... The other example that I kind of have for settling for mediocrity is a student, and I know Sarah is a teacher, a student that you know could be an A student, but they're perfectly fine getting through school with a C plus because they've settled for mediocrity, right? They know that all they have to do is like the bare minimum, they'll pass their classes, they'll pass the test at the end of the year, and they'll get their diploma. That is the epitome of settling for mediocrity, and we've all done it. Maybe we're stuck in something right now where we know we could be working harder at something. We know that we could be uh, establishing ourselves or, or um, applying ourselves more, but we've instead kind of got into this rut of mediocrity. So why the heck am I talking about settling on Palm Sunday? So we did the, we did the triumphal entry, right? We read it. And we know that Jesus tells the disciples to go find a colt, 
when someone asks them, what is this for? They say that the, you know, the master needs it. And they, they use the quote that Jesus gave them. And sure enough, they were allowed to walk off with this donkey's colt. And they set Jesus on the back of it. And people are walking in front of the donkey and they're laying down their coats and laying down palms, crying out, Hosanna. This is our king of Israel. Long live the king. That kind of deal. Um, that they are very excited for Jesus' entry into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. But we see that even the disciples settled, in this case, for a lesser version of Jesus. What do I mean by that? This was a, for all intents and purposes, a political rally. Right? This was them excited that they had a man who was going to lead Israel in the overthrowing of the Roman Empire. If you didn't know this, the palms that they lay down is a sign of Jewish nationalism. Right? So this would be the equivalent of like uh, a revolution. This would be like flying the French flag during the French Revolution. I don't know. Like this is the this is the, a symbol of like using an American flag as we, you know, take back Florida, which was stolen from us by Mexico. Obviously none of that's happened, but this they're laying down the palms, which is a sign of Jewish nationalism, and they are worshiping Jesus, the King of Israel. Right? They're shortchanging themselves. This was not necessarily a spiritual uplifting. Right? They, they wanted Jesus to be king of the Jews, king of Israel. Hosanna, here comes our, our king of our government. Right? And they, they give credit to God. They say this is the, the, who the Lord has sent. Right? They do give credit. They say the Lord has sent this man, and they saw the miracle of him raising Lazarus from the dead, so they know that there's something spiritual with this guy, but ultimately they are not worshiping the Messiah of Jesus Christ. This was, we hate the Romans. We love our country. So this is going to set us free as Israelites. Right? This was not, thank the Lord for sending us the Messiah who saves us from our sins. They were settling for a smaller version of Jesus at that point than who he actually was. Right? The Jesus that they're worshiping and laying their coats down in front of is the, the guy that they want to overthrow the oppressive government, not the guy that they want to save them from their sin. Right? And the disciples are guilty as well. It says they didn't understand what the heck was going on in the Old Testament Scriptures that's quoted in John chapter 12 until after he rose from the dead and ascended. And then they realized, wow, it was spoken in the Old Testament that... that the Messiah would be riding in on a donkey, and here we are bringing him in on a donkey, and we didn't realize we were dealing with the Messiah. The Pharisees know something is going on. right? They seem to recognize that they're losing their control, but even for the Pharisees, what was the primary, what, were, what was always driving the Pharisees in their decision-making? The political power that they had. right? When they recognize that something is going on with Jesus, they don't say, Man, this is the Messiah that the Old Testament speaks of. They say, this guy's a real threat. Look at how many people are following him. But they're not saying he's a real threat to their spiritual way of life, to their, to their Jewish faith. He's a threat to their political power. He's a threat to their structure of the hierarchy that they have set up in, in the Jewish culture at the time, right? So in settling for a smaller version of Jesus or a lesser version of Jesus, the only person that they shortchanged was themselves. Because we know Jesus still was the Messiah. Jesus being the Messiah wasn't dependent on people believing that, was it? 
He was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's going to save us from our sins, whether people recognize who He is and what He's doing or not. But unfortunately for these people who watched Him raise Lazarus from the dead and are worshiping Him and laying down their coats in front of Him, they're missing out on what He could do for them and what He hoped to do for them. So do we ever diminish Jesus in our lives or settle for a lesser version of Him in our lives? Right? Do, we, do we look at Jesus and say, He is awesome because He's going to save me from this thing going on in my life? Or do we worship Jesus the good guy? Do we worship Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago, but now you know, it's like we're worshiping a relic of the past? Does that make sense? Like we act like Jesus isn't still sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Right? We, we forget that Jesus will save us from our sins someday. That Jesus will save us from hell someday. So we go to church and we sing our songs and we say, isn't it great what Jesus did for us? Forgetting that Jesus is still doing things for us. And forgetting that Jesus will someday do something amazing for us that after this life, He will carry us into eternity and heaven with Him. Do we worship Jesus the superhero instead of Jesus the Messiah and the Lord of our life? Do we worship Jesus the Messiah but not the Lord, right? We should not be settling for a smaller version of Jesus than who He really was, which is the Son of God, the Messiah, Lord of all, Creator of all, who died on the cross for our sins, who came back from the dead, and who is desperately waiting for His being reunited with us. And if we're forgetting some of those pieces, it's okay because we're not perfect, but that's the Jesus, that's the Messiah that we should be worshiping. That's the Jesus, that's the Messiah we cry out Hosanna to. That's the one we're asking to save us. And I would argue that as a society, because they settled for a lesser version of Jesus, they settled for a lesser, lesser version of the Gospel. Like their blindness, their blindness to who He really was meant that they didn't understand why Jesus came to earth. They thought at this point Jesus came to earth to save them from the Roman Empire. Completely missing the spiritual aspect that Jesus came to earth to save them from hell, to save them from themselves, to save them from sin. Yeah, sure, he's going to save you from the Romans. Do you know how? He's going to make you his, an heir to the throne. He's going to make you his child, a child of the kingdom of God. And once you're a child of the kingdom of God, nothing else matters, right? They, they didn't understand what it means to be saved. They were hoping and praying and desperate for Jesus to save them from the Roman government with little to no understanding that Jesus was ready to save them from so much more. Right? They also didn't understand how much God loved them. Right? If God loves them so much and He only sends His Son to save them from the oppressive government and then His Son leaves and never does anything for them again, that's not the Gospel. That's not the love that God has for us. That's a very, very small version of it. Right? It's like they're putting the cart before the horse. Right? They're worried about what Jesus can do for them in the here and now. What can Jesus do right now? How can Jesus help us in this earthly life without understanding that the Gospel is bigger than any of that? Do we settle for Jesus to save us from something just on this earth? Like, Are we hoping that our relationship with Jesus will save us from a sickness, uh, a struggle, a depression, an anxiety, a fear, uh, a bad situation, a bad relationship, without realizing that Jesus wants to save us from so much more. 
Because if, if so, then we're missing out on the whole picture of the Gospel that Jesus has for us. We're, we're, we're settling for a smaller image of the Gospel than what we actually have offered to us. Do we forget that Jesus wants to and will and can and has saved us from our own sins and saved us from hell in eternity? That's the full Gospel. And I don't want to settle for anything less. I don't want to settle for less than Jesus, the full Lord, King, Messiah of my life, of eternity in a spiritual way. So let's flip the script. Let's look at the flip side of it all. Does God settle for us? So I'm saying throughout this that the the Pharisees, the disciples, and the crowd settled for a lesser version of Jesus than what Jesus actually was, what the Gospel actually was and is. But does God settle for us. So God creates everything, right? We go back to Genesis and he creates the, the stars and the sky and the water and the land and the plants and the animals. And it was good. Every time he created something, it was good. And then he creates man and he says, I guess that'll work since I've tried everything else. No, that's not what he says. Right? When God creates man, he doesn't say, well, that's all I've got. This is the best I can do, so team good enough. No. When he creates man, he says it's very good. He did not settle for man as the creation that was finally going to be the one that had to work. He chose man to be his chosen creation, made in his image, to be the only creation that gets to have that right relationship with him. This was not a matter of, well, since nothing else was going to work, then we'll just have to deal with this. You might be saying, well, sure, that was before sin. Now that we're sinners, God does have to settle for us because we're broken, right? So before, when Adam and Eve were created and everything was perfect, and God looked at that, he goes, that is very good. And he didn't settle for the sinless Adam and Eve as the right relationship. Once they sinned, then he had to settle, right? Once they took the fruit and and broke the bond with God, now God says, well, I guess I'll settle for having relationship with people. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Does that sound like he settled? Us, Thankfully, the sin in our life does not make God go, well, I guess I love them anyway. Well, since nothing else that I created really has the ability to be in right relationship with me, I guess I'll stick it out with the people that I created to call them my people and to love them through their sin. There's another verse that says, God's thoughts for us outnumber the grains of sand on the beach. God is not settling for us as his chosen people, as his creation, as his body of believers, as his kingdom. He says that when we accept Jesus, we are heirs to the throne. You don't make someone an heir to the throne willingly, because God doesn't have to do that, and he does, if you're not in love with them, if you don't agree with everything that they stand for. Like if they, you don't believe they're going to be able to carry the torch, I don't know. God is not settling for us. God is not settling for you. You're like, ah, I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I'm damaged goods and I made this mistake yesterday and I've made these mistakes in my life. I just hope God will be okay with me enough to save me someday. That's not how this works. God is not settling for you or me in our situation to say, I guess I have enough room to have a relationship with you. God loves us. Infinitely, indefinitely, 
perfectly, compassionately, completely. God loves you and God loves me. God is not settling for a relationship with us. When we pray to him and we ask him to be in our life, he doesn't say, well, I guess I can do that. No. If God hasn't settled for us, let's not settle for less from him either. Let's not settle for a lesser version of him either. Because what God wants to happen between us is a real, authentic, life-changing relationship. And when we forget the, the scope of how big Jesus is and the Messiah is and the Gospel is, that lacks some of the life-changing aspects. And if God, thankfully, if God changed His mind and said, every time you sin, I'm going to distance myself from you and I don't want to be a part of your life anymore, He doesn't do that. Because He's not settling for a relationship with us. He truly, deeply, and completely loves us and wants relationship with us. And may we truly, deeply, and completely believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, the Gospel that will save us from our sins, the Gospel that saves us from ourselves, the Gospel that someday will save us from hell and get us to an eternity in heaven with the One who loves us. Brothers and sisters, stay strong. Keep rooted in the faith. Don't settle for anything less than what we deserve and what God has given us. Right? Let's pray. Mighty God, I thank You first and foremost for the good gifts that You have given us. Jesus Christ, we thank You for Your ultimate gift of death on the cross for our sins and the resurrection and the offer, the opportunity, the chance for us to have right relationship with You. God, we know that we're not perfect. We know that the world is not perfect. Right now, we might feel especially hurt or sad or we might be struggling more than normal or this might be the hardest time of our life. We might be feeling like we're, we're jumping over hurdles and we're stumbling and we can't quite get through. I pray that we would stay true to our belief in You and what You can do for us and what You have done for us. Just as You are faithful and stay true to who You are and Your character in saying that we are Your people. We are the people You love, the people You created, the people who You long to have uh, an eternal relationship with that goes beyond the scope of time and our physical life in this world. I hope that we don't shortchange ourselves, Jesus, by looking at you as something smaller than you are. I hope we don't shortchange ourselves by looking at the gospel as something smaller than it is. The gospel is the best news anyone on this planet could ever hear. And I hope we don't diminish that. I hope we don't forget that. The gospel is bigger than us, is bigger than time, is bigger than the world, is bigger than this book, is bigger than this church, is bigger than our lives. And I hope we don't shortchange ourselves by thinking the gospel is smaller than it is. So God, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, I pray that this would be a mini uh, revival. Like we come back to you. We come back to the heart of worship. We come back to right relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. We long to have that long, healthy relationship with you. We long to serve you well in our time here on this earth. Thank you for all you've done for us. Might we return the favor by giving you humbly back what you have asked for and what you deserve. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, one last little reference point to kind of wrap up what we have. Imagine that you, uh, you win a brand new car. You get to go on the Wheel of Fortune or you go on a game show or you know, your very rich relative, I don't know, gives you a brand new car and you, you get in the car and you sit down in the driver's seat and you take the little air freshener off the, the rear view mirror and you go, this is awesome! And you absolutely love the air freshener. Yeah, the air freshener is part of the gift that you got, but it's kind of like, you missed the point. There's a brand new car that is now yours. Likewise, the people look to Jesus to 
save them from something that was going on in the world. And that was about this much of what Jesus wanted to do for them. And I hope that we don't settle for this much of the Gospel or this much of Jesus, that we instead do our best to embrace the entire scope of who Jesus was and is and will always be and what the Gospel has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. Don't settle for less than that because God loves you and He certainly is not settling for a relationship with you. Thanks for tuning in. If you guys need anything, don't hesitate to reach out. We love you guys. We miss you guys. We hope to see you sooner than later. Thanks for watching with us.